All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, uh, speaking to you from New York City on this, the 15th day of May, 2018. Uh, I do like to remind you that I am the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to that by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. Dot com or call our office at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426 during normal work hours. I want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are RN Resources, Balmoral Resources, Bontero Resources, Genesis Metals Corp., Klondike Gold, uh, Northern Empire, and Novo Resources. I've titled today's show, Earning a Good, Safe Yield on Your Gold Holdings. To help us explore the possibility of earning a safe return on our gold holdings, Keith Weiner, the founder of Monetary Metals, will join me during the second half of today's show to explain how that can be achieved. How much gold do you need to have to play that game, to, uh, to invest? Well, uh, what kind of risks are involved and what kind of returns might you expect? What's the duration of your, uh, of your investment uh, and your loan through monetary metals. These are questions that we'll be asking Keith, and he'll be with me in the second half of today's show. After our first commercial break, Darren Wagner, the president and CEO of Balmoral Resources, will join me to talk about that company's successful exploration efforts on its Martinier gold project in western Quebec and why investors might do well to pay attention to this summer's drill results. Normally about now, I would be saying hello to Michael Oliver, who gives us his latest views on stocks, bonds, commodities, precious metals, Uh, but his schedule today precluded him from being with us. In his place is my friend and partner and very successful investor, Chen Lin, to talk about two stocks that he is especially bullish on right now. I will say hello to Chen in just a minute or two. However, given today's decline in the gold price of over $20, uh, I felt I should pass along some guidance from Michael to his subscribers that he passed on to them on May 1st regarding what to look out for uh, in the gold markets. Since February 2016, when Michael's work proclaimed a new bull market for gold at $1,140, he offered a go-to-neutral trigger number three different times. In each case, the gold market never fell to that level that would have caused Michael to go neutral in his view of the gold market. In his May 1st missive uh, update uh, on gold, he noted that the annual gold momentum is solidly positive. That's on an annual basis. But he noted that if another indicator such as the quarterly momentum were to turn negative, he would define that as a 
as his fourth go-to-neutral signal since he went bullish in February of 2016. For the current quarter, the go-to-neutral number, according to Michael's work, is $1,273. Well, about uh, 20 minutes or so before this show began, I saw gold was trading at 1291 So I'm guessing that, well, we may just be uh, seeing a fourth time in which Michael's go-to-neutral number uh, is approached but not met. Well, we'll see. Time will tell whether that's true or not. But so far, uh, in each case, when he's given a go-to-neutral number, uh, it, the gold price never hit that, although it came very close on a couple of occasions. If I understand Michael's explanation uh, in that uh, May 1st uh, letter that he sent to his subscribers, this decline could very well be setting us up for a significant rise when daily momentum rises above the three-day momentum average, which is somewhere now, if my calculation is correct, around 1274. In other words, we could be, uh, this could be a blessing in disguise for those of us on the bullish side uh, if we wash out uh, the, you know, the people that are not so sure about their gold investments. Uh, get it in, getting gold into the stronger hands, maybe we're ready now for the next uh, run up. Well, we'll talk to Michael, probably certainly no more by next week at this time, whether this is a temporary decline or whether something more significant is underway. Uh, so we'll be looking to talk to Michael next week. But for me, I'm thinking it might be a good time to buy the dip, as they say in the equity market so often. Anyway, I'm so glad to tell you that Chen Lin is with me again. And uh, Chen is, uh, hasn't been on this show for a while, not often enough as far as I'm concerned. Thanks for joining me, Chen. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. I'm uh, glad to have you. It's ChenPicks.com, folks. ChenPicks.com uh, to learn more about what Chen does and also to subscribe to his to his letter. Uh, Chen, a, a couple of your favorite picks and two that you've convinced me to pick up some shares in. Sorrento Therapeutics uh, first. Um, SRNE trades uh, in the NASDAQ. I saw earlier today at $7.35. I haven't checked it recently. Uh, they are turning malignant cancers. They're, they're doing research and developing technologies to turn uh, malignant cancers into manageable and possibly curable chronic diseases. It is developing novel therapies uh, to ease patients' disease or treatment uh, or reduce the suffering that people have with their... Uh, so they're basically um, immuno-oncology and uh, non-opioids for pain. Uh, traded as high as $24 in 2015, as low as $1.50 last year, you were pounding the table then to pick up shares of this company. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what, what cancer, what anti-cancer technologies are they developing and uh, how soon might there be some real drivers for this stock? Yes, hi, thank you, Jay. Yeah, I was pounding the table when it was about $1.70, very close uh-huh. to, the, uh, to the bottom. And so far has been a very pleasant ride. Uh, so they have a lot of catalysts coming, and mostly it is in the CAR T space. It's one of the hottest area. You know, Juno and Kite was taking over about ten billion, some some a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And they're working on the CD thirty eight CAR T, which is the first in the world. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, if successful, they will be major threat to the DARA, which is CD38, just an antibody, okay, mm-hmm. uh, in Johnson Johnson, from Johnson Johnson. It's supposed to be a $10 billion annual sales um, uh, antibody. Mm. It's, go, it's not wow. there yet, but it's growing very, very rapid. So uh, it's a it's very hotly contested space. 
and they are the first to get into human trial among all these biotech companies. Uh, they, I think they, they started the, the first um, screening the patient. They got a, a FDA approval last month, a screening patient at Rhode Island, and it could have a few other centers coming out, a very prestigious center around the world. Uh, the key is their partner Celerity likely to get a deal done with a major farmer. The deadline is July 1st. That's in their public filing. Mm-hmm. And then they go IPO later this year, uh, very likely in the billions of dollars range, and then they own 25% of that. It's very easy mm-hmm. to get, get a mass down. Mm-hmm. And then they, they have planned to go to Hong Kong to list that as IPO. That's well published in their presentation. Mm-hmm. And, and this kind of company worth billions of uh, dollars in Hong Kong right now. So, and their current market cap, I checked last time, I checked it's about $700 million. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of upside coming. And uh, I would say I follow this company for seven, eight years. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and this is probably the most exciting year in the history of the company. Yeah, it's uh, it really is a very volatile stock. The stock trades bounces around a lot. There's lots of liquidity, so it's easy to get in and out of it, isn't it, Chen? Yes, that's what I like. You know, you can buy as many as you want. <laughs> There's okay. over one million share traded, right? So, yeah. and then it's heavily shorted. Uh, short bad over a hundred million this year against the stock. So if they're wrong, watch, watch out. So it could be very explosive. Some of these. Um, some of these drivers come to pass here, and then you're talking July, so it's not that far away, right? a couple of months away, huh? July 1st is the deadline, so wow. the, the actual will be within, you know, June, likely in June will be next month, right? We already wow. May 15th, so wow. very close. <laughs> well, well we'd like check, to see... I have to check news every Monday to see if there's anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd like to see those shorts, uh, look, uh, we'd like to see them... Uh, it gets smoked out, right? So that would be fun. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. That, that would be the key. And, you know, uh, so uh, I think it's a lot of things positive can happen with the company and uh, within the next uh, a few weeks, potentially. Yeah, what I should tell my listeners is that when uh, Chen sends, when you get something, Chen, you get some news that's really hot off the press, you don't wait until the weekend to tell your subscribers, like I generally do with my subscribers. You put that news out there right away so investors that are really on top of their game that are in front of their computer paying constant attention to uh, to a couple of Chen's top picks uh, are right on are, are right there with Chen uh, to uh, to buy and sell these things so it's uh, that's that's uh, the added value that uh, chenpicks.com chenpicks.com go there to learn more okay the other stock uh, is transatlantic petroleum Trades in the New York Stock Exchange. I think I saw it around a dollar sixty nine today. Chen, does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. That's one of yeah. the mysterious stock. If you look at the history, it's trading at double digit in the past five years. Okay, if I would correct it, and then it came all the way down, and it has a net asset value at fifty dollar. All your worth five dollar fully diluted five dollar share. Okay, if you put in seventy dollar, eighty dollar, it. It will be much more. And then they have a key position in Turkey, which is not priced in any of the net asset value. So it's supposed to be sold. The bids close this week. Think about mm. it. So another, another stock has very, very close catalyst. Uh, I'm very excited. Maybe next time I'll be on your show, we know what's going to happen with Transatlantic. Well, you're saying there could be something happening this week yet, Chen? This week is a deadline for the bids. 
Yes, they're opening for major oil company to come in to buy the or small or medium to buy the company. Mm-hmm. And you feel the asset values are there are significant enough that a major might be interested in these guys. Yes, they have a significant acreage in Turkey, which have a major discovery. We talk about Valara; it has a huge success for me in the past year, and this one has a uh, acreage right right next to them. So that hmm. one is not pricing the five dollar or seven dollar, eight dollar net asset value. So it's addition to that. So I'm oh. quite excited about the prospect of this company. Well, I know you are. Um, you know, it's. Uh is it trade pretty actively as well, Chen? Is it hard to get in and out of this thing, or is it well, not, not, as, not as liquid I, as Sorrento? Not as liquid as Sorrento, but uh, I had a problem buying that last year when I was trading at below a dollar. But over a dollar, mm-hmm. I feel there's a, you know, quite some liquidity over one dollar. So right now, you can see on certain days, it, it trades a lot of trade, like millions of shares. Certain days. Right. And that trades in the uh, New York on the New York Stock Exchange under the yes. symbol TAT. Uh, Chen, so so you don't see this as a long term. I mean, the Turkey. A lot of people are concerned about Turkey um, political risks. Yes, you're not they, worried they about a, that. They, exactly, they have a certain political risk, but for Turkey, ninety nine percent of natural gas they import. So, and then fracking is not someone can just go in and frack. They need the international tech expertise. So, I don't think that. Con- the country will mess up with, with those. Uh, so just like uh-huh. foreign companies operate. But when they are successful operating, that's we're talking about five, ten years from now, there may be some mm-hmm. changes, but not in the near term. Yeah. Well, yeah, once, uh, w- once they know how to get the, get the stuff out of the ground, then, then they can maybe uh, play some <laughs> yes, games. But it's, as, uh, as long as they need happens. the technology, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. As they mm-hmm. want the company to success, to get the success, to, to figure out how to get the gas out, but then you know there could be some changes. But that's very far away from now. That's a far, far away. All right. Well, these are two really exciting stories. And again, Chen, thanks for sharing them with us. Uh, certainly, they're two that I own, so I'm I'm very interested in what goes on and uh, with those two companies. Uh, all I can say, all I can tell my listeners is that Chen has had a very successful track record done extremely well as an investor. Uh, He's smart, he works hard, um, and he treats his subscribers very well. So I would suggest that uh, people listening might want to check out Chen's work sometime. Again, it's chenpicks.com. Thanks so much, Chen, and uh, we'll look to do it again sometime soon. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate that. All right, folks. Well, we do have to take a commercial break, but don't go away. Darren Wagner of Belmoral Resources will be with with me to, to talk about uh, their Martinier Gold Project in Western Quebec, uh, one that uh, seems to have a lot of promise already, has outlined uh, a fair number of high-grade ounces underground and um, a, a lot of growth potential there, I think. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Darren Wagner. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. A gold rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike gold rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corp. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, 
the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me today Darren Wagner. He is the president and CEO and a director of Balmoral Resources. It's a company that I own shares in. It's a recommendation in my newsletter. The stock trades in Toronto under the symbol BAR, and you can buy it in the U.S. as I have under the symbol BALMF. 138.5 million shares out. Uh, I saw earlier today in a very tough day. For the gold share market, uh, about 18 cents in U.S. money, giving it a market cap of around $25 million in U.S. money. Darren is a professional geologist. He's had over 20 years of exploration and corporate uh, development experience. He's worked for some major mining companies, household name firms like Naranda and Cominco in the past as a project geologist. More recently, been devoting his time towards the junior sector, exploring and developing mineral deposits uh, for the uh, for the up-and-coming companies, uh, in uh, mostly in Canada. Thanks for joining me again, Darren. My pleasure, Jay, and thank you very much for having me. So I um, want to ask you about, um, you've got two projects that I'm aware of in Quebec that are, uh, one is very noteworthy, seems to be getting very little, well, neither of them seem to be getting a lot of attention now because I think most junior mining companies aren't getting any attention no matter how good their projects are a lot of times. So, but your Martinier Gold Project in Quebec, uh, you, you have an indicated gold resource, I believe, 100, 591,000 ounces, of which uh, most of those are uh, open pit uh, numbers, open pit or ounces, and then another, I think, about 159,000 are higher-grade underground. Um, your last resource number was that those numbers were reported, I believe, in March, and subsequently on May 2nd, you reported some pretty spectacular assays, uh, albeit over fairly narrow widths, perhaps, but they were very, very high numbers. Um, what can you tell us about about your winter drill program? Because that's where those came from. Those numbers came from your winter drill program, I, I believe. What can you tell us about those results and what they mean for the project? 
Well, yeah, we were we were very happy to get the uh, the initial resource out. Um, and do- yes, you're right. It's it's dominantly a shallow resource. It's basically over the first 350 vertical meters of that system. And uh, then the subsequent drilling, uh, you know, that we did, uh, you know, did act, you know show multi, you know, show actually multi ounce numbers in places over narrow widths as we continued down into the sort of 400 uh, 450 meter vertical level. So we're continuing to see the uh, the deposit grow and and continuing to see some very high grade material. I think in particular, we were happy that uh, we were seeing the high-grade material in the footwall uh, or the sort of the hanging wall side of the zone where it had been relatively weak. Uh, it now seems to be starting to open itself up again on the hanging wall side as we go a little deeper and with that very high-grade material. So we see a lot of uh, we, we see a lot of potential at Martin Air to uh, for it to continue to grow over time. And uh, we're looking at, the, at this point in time to see if we can't find a partner to work with in terms of growing it as we start to drill those deeper, uh, more expensive holes. But, you know, it's uh, open on every front um, and with a solid, uh, you know, solid half million plus ounce uh, starter pit scenario at a couple of grams. Uh, we think it's, a, it's an attractive proposition and, you know, we're very well located up there in Quebec. You're... Uh it, will your emphasis be? I mean, it seems like you have a lot of a lot more potential laterally near surface. Uh, so, is your is your are your efforts going to be focused more at at the deeper stuff now, or the higher grade deeper stuff? Or are you, or is there still some potential um, on surface to to expand open pitable yeah, like resources? See, yeah, we'd like to see what we can do in the in the near surface. Um, you're both a long strike and in, in the, a couple of nearby discoveries uh, in, in the Lac de Dua area, a couple of kilometers away and, and a few hundred meters away in Horsefly and those others. We'd like to see what we could do in the near surface. be nice to see if we couldn't, uh, over a bit of time here, get the, uh, the near surface resource closer to sort of a million ounces in a pitable configuration. But uh, So I think that'll be our focus. And if we can uh, find somebody to help us advance the deep stuff a little quicker, uh, then we'll look at that as well. Um, you know, the deep drilling gets expensive and uh, you've got to be in a fairly reasonable market and, uh, to to do a lot of that. And, mm-hmm. and we've seen, you know, that. So I will continue to work away at the deeper stuff, sort of uh, call it scoping, I guess, rather than necessarily resource delineation mm-hmm. in terms of defining where the system goes and how it performs. But the, the near-term focus at Martin Air will probably be in the shallow parts to see if we can't sort of bump up that pitable uh, Pitable resource category. Mm-hmm. I well, I mean, just to looking over some of the numbers that you put out on um, on May second and your winter drill, the winter drill results. I mean, hole three twenty four, eighty seven grams uh, over 0.73 meters. Hole three twenty five, thirty three point uh, one grams over uh, about a meter. And then another thirty point eight grams over one point twenty eight meters. I mean, how far apart are these holes? I actually the whole th- hole three twenty five had two of those high grade sections, and then you had yeah, um, how far apart were those drilled? I think in in terms of the the total distance between the uh, the intercepts and the two holes, you're looking at about uh, about eighty five meters in total. Um, so it, it and that follows on obviously from the material that that's above it over the upper 350 meters. So they, you know, mm-hmm. they do add vertically to the deposit. They're, they're close enough, certainly, that, uh, you know, they're capturable, uh, you know, in a mine plan. 
and uh, those kind of ounce plus grades that you can uh, you can happily take those intervals into uh, into your resource and then in the, in the deeper parts in the footwall side we also had some decent intercepts so i think we you know we're we're maybe seeing it start to strengthen a bit as we as we get into that 400 meter level again and then hanging mm-hmm. wall side of the footwall continues to be decent uh continues to add ounces but if that hanging wall will suddenly open up again um, you know, over the over the next you know hundred odd meters, that'll be pretty positive, especially with those kind of grades kicking around. Yeah, um, are there more are there more assays to come from your winter program? There's only I think uh, less than the winter program. There's only about three exploration holes uh, up in the in the Lac de area where we're following up on uh, some discoveries we've made over the last year. They're pretty widely spaced holes. Yeah. Um, so you'll you probably see you know probably see those over the next couple of weeks. We're just waiting for some of the geophysics that we did at the same time to come back, so we've got some context uh, to present those in for people, and uh, and that'll kind of wrap up uh, the drilling uh, aspect of the winter program in terms of news flow. There is also some geophysics on a couple of other nearby properties um, that we haven't drilled on yet um, on Highway 10 and N2 that was completed, and that those will have defined some targets for testing. Um, and then, you know, as we roll into the latter half of the year, into the, into the, uh, in the third and fourth quarter, we'll be going back to work on, on the project and, and probably now starting to bring uh, Argoset nickel deposit back into the mix as well with nickel having finally crested and holding uh, north of $6 a pound. Yeah, I want to ask you, uh, definitely want to want to ask you a little bit more about that uh, Grisette project. That's, <laughs> I think that's just another very valuable asset that people aren't, paying much attention to but just a couple more things if we could on the uh, on the march near um sure. you know i was just looking at a picture on your website uh, showing them uh, i think i saw about a dozen outcroppings of this gold mineralization over a long fairly fairly large distance is there some thought that this is one major system that connects these these outcrops at, at some depth yeah, there's actually not much in the way of outcrop. Most of what you're seeing on 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 there is uh, is is sort of mapped by mapped by drilling, I guess, more than than by outcrop. There's no real outcrop around. But yeah, I think what we've seen so far at Martin Air, um, uh, you know, this is an area with no historic exploration. And what we've seen is that there is a a large system in there. In fact, there's probably two or three separate systems that are overlapping in that area. We see quite different mineralization in the Martin Air West part of the system from the larger Bug Lake portion of the system. So I think, you know, in in context, it is much like we see elsewhere in the Abitibi where you've got, uh, you know, multiple sort of high-grade systems working uh, in the same general area and occasionally working in tandem um, mm-hmm. to, you know, to bump those grades up. It's uh, It makes for some complexity geologically for sure, but yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. complexity. It's a good thing in our world. Um, it's a lot nicer when you've got more rock to work with and less less drill holes to have to drill. But at the same time, because this is a you know a series of newer discoveries, uh, you know the evolution is is constant and ongoing in both our understanding and our uh, appreciation of uh, of the scale and the size of, of the system. So we think there's a heck of a lot more gold sitting out there uh, underneath all that uh, all that cover. And it's just a matter of uh, time and diligence on our part to, uh, you know, uh, continue to uh, to grow what we've got. Well, you certainly are in the in the gold camp. The, I mean, that whole Abitibi area is so rich and uh, 
a lot of these systems go quite deep, I believe, and, and are very been very productive. And of course, you have all the infrastructure that you could want or need, essentially, there are two, plus a government that's very pro-mining as well in the in Quebec. Uh, Darren, your your goal and your ambition as a junior explorer, how far are you willing and able to take this yourself? I mean, I think your goal is really to prove up something that will really get a couple of majors excited, perhaps. That's that's what, we, what you want to do, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, in, in particular, Jay, in, in that part of uh, in that part of the world, it, it is relatively rare for the junior who makes the discovery to be the the group that is, is standing there cutting the ribbon on the day the mine opens. Uh, yeah. Largely because it's a it's a very comfortable place for any of the producers, be they you know uh, seniors or intermediates, to work, and they are always happy to have assets in that part of the world. So I think we just we walk into anything we do in that part of the world re- recognizing that, you know, if we're successful in getting things to a certain size, a uh, certain size and grade combination, that, yeah, there likely ends up being a, a buyer for it. And uh, and that's just, you know, that's part of the business. And you can fight your way through to try and uh, put your name on a head frame. But ultimately, you know, the better business is typically somewhere along the line to bring in a partner to develop it or, uh, or to sell it outright. Absolutely. Well, I, um, so what uh, I do want to ask you with a couple of minutes left yet, just comment briefly on your grassette deposit. I mean, here you have a nickel, copper, platinum group metals deposit that's some of some observers, some investors have actually uh, compared it favorably to Garibaldi's nickel mountain project. Um, yet the market, as I say, the market isn't really doesn't seem to be paying much attention. What's what gives? What are your plans for this? Well, certainly at this point in time, it it uh, it is it is kind of uh, sitting there quietly in behind. Uh, you know, it's a more real asset, I guess, than than where Garibaldi is currently. Uh, in that we've you know we've produced a, a recent resource on it. It remains open. It's a very coherent body. It's one uh, large uh, eighteen plus million ton sulfide body with a high grade uh, three and a half million ton core in it. Open to depth, it's got a you know strong nickel component, which uh, as we as we move into the uh, the EV battery world, the nickel sulfide uh, component of Grisette has got to be attractive. It has payable credits in copper and, and gold and cobalt and platinum and palladium. Um, so, you know, on on the plans, really, we had said for quite some time that you know we think that the the world needs a six to six fifty uh, nickel price uh, for Grisette to you know, roll into the sort of uh, potentially economic basket. And uh, so, and, and we got back to there after uh, two or three years when the nickel price was very depressed. So we're probably in mind uh, to start seeing, uh, you know, some more activity uh, both on the deposit and a number of nearby discoveries that we made in uh, back in 2014, 2015, before the price kind of went south on us and we just kind of uh, put it to bed for the moment uh so we're we're very pleased with the progress in the nickel market. We see very good things ahead, especially for the nickel sulfides like Grisette. Um We see ample opportunity to both grow the deposit but also make additional discoveries in that belt. So we're excited to have the opportunity to get back to work on it. Uh, we think the, the nickel market on a roll forward here over the next few years is going to be a very strong place to be and nickel assets, nickel sulfide assets of some size are very rare beasts and uh, 
you know, they definitely look like they're going to deserve a fair bit of attention, and we're obviously getting some from outside on uh, on Grisette, uh as the Good. gold price moves forward. Okay, so you are getting some attention from some of the big players. Uh, at least they're aware of you anyway, right? So that's good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there just yeah. isn't very many things. You know, they, they can't help but be because there are very, very few things of, of size and scale of set out there right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, a hidden hidden value in your stock price, uh, I, I think. Uh, well, just in summing up, uh, Darren, uh, what should investors be watching for? You, you'll have more assays through the summer, I suppose, into the fall? Yeah, I think I think they're looking. You know, I think over the next uh, the next little bit here, for the, uh, they'll look for us to be getting back to work uh, with the with the summer fall program, both uh, on the gold side and, and likely on the nickel side. We're uh, also busy on the corporate side, looking at a few opportunities that are out there because, as you said earlier, the junior space is uh, you know is again very very depressed. So there are some opportunities for us mm-hmm. to uh, to potentially pursue. So we're doing a fair bit of work on that, but. Uh, in the near term, yeah, looking for the uh, little bit, little bit of information from the balance of the winter program, uh, and then uh, really the uh, the startup of the uh, the summer fall program for us as we as we roll into the second half of the year. Excellent. Well, very good. Well, I look forward to seeing you as well. I believe you're going to be at the Metals Investor Forum uh, in about a week and a half or two weeks or something like that from now. I think. Are you going to be there, Darren? Yeah, I should be there, and, uh, and yeah. looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing you there, and, and to yeah. talking to uh, to the people that come out. Very good, excellent. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, and uh, we'll look to keep up with your story into the future. Thank you. Um, okay, thank folks, you, Jay. All right, all all the best, uh, folks. We do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Doctor Keith Weiner of the Monetary Metals Company. The first time he's been with us. Very interesting guest. You won't want to miss what he has to say. How you can earn some interest or gain a yield on your gold holdings. Uh, A very interesting story. I'm looking forward to it. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Keith Wiener. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Nobo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Nobo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Dr. Keith Weiner. He's the CEO and founder of Monetary Metals. Keith is a leading authority in the areas of gold, money, and credit and has made important contributions to the development of trading techniques founded upon the analysis of bid-ask spreads. He is the founder of Diamondware. It's a software company sold to Nortel in 2008, and he currently serves uh, as president of the Gold Standard Institute USA. Keith earned his uh, PhD from the new Austrian School of Economics. Welcome, Keith, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's good to good to talk to you. I've uh, learned a little bit about you. I visited your website at monetary-metals.com, monetary-metals.com, and, and uh, ran into Addison Quayle, who works uh, in your shop, and he's the one that's responsible for uh, for making me aware of what you're what you're doing. Um, and I just read a very brief bio, but I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about your background before you founded. Diamondware, and, and how did you come to discover Austrian economics? Because there aren't too many people out there. It seems as though there is a sort of a statist uh, attempt to keep people ignorant about Austrian economics and keep us all believing in the religion called Keynesianism. But can you give us a little background on on your just a little more uh, background on your on your past? I I was your classic computer nerd. Um, I spent all my time hanging out in the computer lab until my parents finally got me a computer my, I think, freshman year of high school. Uh-huh. And I spent every waking moment on it. Um, uh, went off to university, uh, RPI in upstate New York, uh, majored in computer science. Dropped out because I, wanted to, I got bored and I wanted to build a software company, which I did <laughs> from 1994 to 2008. Sold that to Nortel. To make a long story short, the acquisition occurred at the absolute most incredible time you could imagine. It was um, August 19th, 2008. Ooh. So we, I, I looked it up. We were the last acquisition Nortel ever did. I knew two, at least two other companies that were in the process of being acquired that never got their deals closed. Um, of course, you know, within the next three months is when the majority of um, the market collapse happened. Sure. It was that market collapse that made me start to study markets first and then economics to figure out what the heck was going on. Because nothing that I saw on TV, nothing that I read made any sense. Everybody seemed to start in the middle and sort of meander around in circles uh, with nobody really trying to get to the root of the problem until I came across the writings of this uh, professor, Antal Fekete, um, retired uh, Hungarian-born professor of mathematics in the Canadian university system, um, but really a uh, autodidact and, and passionate about monetary economics. And yes, I what. know him, actually. Uh, I, I know him, and I haven't spoken to him in a number of years, but I probably knew him maybe before you did, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering him, and yeah, he's someone I should get on the show again sometime, no doubt about it. He was on my radio show many years ago, but go ahead. I'm sorry. So... Um, you know, I, I started to, to, to study under him without any particular intentions, just because I was fascinated by it, mm-hmm. and because I had done well in my sale of my company to Nortel, and I wanted to figure out how to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the deeper I got into it, the deeper I realized just how serious the monetary problem is, and then two things clicked for me. One is, I'm not an academic. Um, I'm, I consider myself to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And as I started to think about what's my next venture going to be, um, I said, you know, I want my venture to be something that has to do with a solution. You know, if it was a normal world, it would be another software company. I had built a great team over many years. They followed me to hell and back. They were ready to jump uh, from North Hell and bankrupt, and then everything got acquired by Avaya. Um, I had access to capital. I had great advisors. I would have done another software company. Mm-hmm. But, but I said, you know, there's, there's a problem. There's a cancer in the world, and I want to mm-hmm. try to do something about that cancer if I can. And so I want my next venture to be in the gold space, and so thus uh, Monetary Metals was born. Yeah, and uh, actually, I, before we go any further, I want to tell our listeners that on your website there is a, you gave a a lecture at the uh, at the Harvard Club that I think is very well worth people going to your website to watch. It's uh, the title of your talk was the can- cancer and the solution, or what, what was it? I'm forgetting exactly what the title. The dollar of the talk cancer, was. the dollar cancer, and the gold cure. It's excellent. I, I started watching it. I watched about three-fourths of it, and, and I ran out of time uh, earlier today. But uh, I, I want to finish watching it, and I think you diagnose the problem uh, very, very well, understanding the pathology of Keynesian economics, and uh, you're providing a solution so uh, for people uh, to try to protect themselves. And what you're trying to do is share what you've learned, your insights, and your efforts to protect your wealth uh, from the ravages of inflation, uh, a debasement of the currency, and so let's get right into it. Your uh, your company, uh, tell us what you're offering people now. You're you're offering a return on gold. I mean, one of the things that we've always told you don't want to own gold because you can never get any return on it. Never mind the fact, of course, that gold retains its purchasing power for centuries, while all the currencies uh, are you know enter the dustbin of history eventually. Uh, but let's get right into it. Tell our listeners what your company is providing uh, for them. People that own gold can invest their gold in short-term loans, relatively short-term loans, I believe. But just get into it. Tell us about your product. You know, I was going to say, I call that the Warren Buffett argument. That um, He says, you know, if you're observing Earth from Mars, we pay all these guys to dig the gold out of the ground. And then we pay more guys to dig a hole, another hole, and put it back in the ground and stand around guarding it. Gold has no utility and, and no yield. And, yeah. of course, you know, the gold bugs hate him for it because he's so disingenuous to imply that the dollar is superior, which it isn't. Um, but he's right about one thing, which is it didn't have yield. And so it's, it's, not, um, it's not a productive asset. And so our, our vision, it's important to talk about why we're doing this. And that is, um, I came to the conclusion through my economics work before founding the company that interest in, in gold, particularly interest, is a regulator of flow. Um, that you always have people that are taking gold out of circulation to hoard it and save it. Um, and there needs to be a countervailing force to pull it back into circulation. If the interest rate is zero, um, nobody will part with their gold. It will, even if even if you had to work in gold standard, all the gold would slowly be picked out of circulation, and the thing would seize up. And so, mm-hmm. um, from where we are today, if you want to get to a gold standard, it's not a matter of price. It's not a matter of you know the gold price, uh, you know, going to two thousand dollars or five thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars, whatever number you could name. Mm-hmm. It won't circulate. It can't circulate. 
um, because you know people don't want to part with their gold. That you know, if gold went to fifty thousand dollars, that would just be confirmation that you had done the right thing, <laughs> and the dollar was that much more collapsed than than just today. But if uh -huh. you offer interest on it, then that changes the equation. And so I th I think to me the root of all of Keynesianism is um, the perverse incentives. Yes. And so he quotes he quotes Lenin. In um, I believe it's con uh, consequences of the peace. He quotes mm -hmm. Lenin, and most gold bugs are familiar with the first part of the quote, where he says, "There's no surer way to overthrow the capitalist order than by debauching the money." Mm -hmm. it's quite a lengthy quote, but the the end of it is not as well uh, circulated uh, as it would be. The end of the quote, he says, "By engaging all the hidden forces of economics in favor of destruction, not one in a million can diagnose." And um, I think about that a lot, and then I think, okay, well, hidden forces of economics, today we would use the word incentives. So they've set up a lot of perverse incentives. That's why the system operates and why the dollar still continues to have strength, by the way. And, um, you know, I thought, okay, well, what if you could offer a new incentive? What if you could make it profitable to move to the gold standard? And so that's that's the why of what monetary metals, you know, behind what we're doing, is trying to find a way to move to the gold standard, and the way you know the incentive that people respond to is if you make it profitable. So we can say to an investor, "Hey, look, we'll pay you interest on your gold." And I'll, I'll get to how we do that in you know a moment. Uh -huh. um, and we don't have to necessarily uh, you know have any discussion about the Fed and QE and printing to infinity and all the paper currencies, you know, after a 40 or 50 year lifespan, you know, turn to dust. You can have that conversation, but we're not obliged to because selling the idea of getting paid interest on something that's currently a dry asset doesn't, you don't have to sell it very hard. You just mm -hmm. say we're paying interest and then the conversations and, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty simple thing. And, and of course, that's how everything in the advanced economy works. If, if you want to travel from you know, New York to LA, you don't really want to have a conversation about the engineering of a jet engine. You just want to know there's an airline that will get you there and how much time does it take and when it take off and how much you're going to charge me. And um, so that's that's what uh, that's what monetary models is about. Okay, so let's uh, let's find out uh, the the um, you know the fundamental how it works. Uh, how as an investor, how how much gold do I need to own before I can invest with you and what can I expect to, how much can I expect to make, what kind of yield can I get on it, what's the duration, uh, fill in some of the practical aspects of how my listeners and myself, if I'm interested, can uh, can get involved in your program. size is 10 ounces of gold, and I name it in those terms, a lot of people say, well, how many dollars is that? Say, well, it's, you know, $13,000. Um, we like to think in terms of gold. And part of what we're doing is a paradigm shift to start thinking in terms of how many ounces rather than how many dollars are those ounces worth. So the minimum count size is 10 ounces. Um, and then the, the way it works is we bring um, uh, lease deals. It's not actually lending. It's, I'll get to the distinction in a moment. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of uh, awareness of, of gold leasing by what, what the bullion banks are doing, and that's not yes. what we're doing at all. Um, but I'll get, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, so we bring, um, you know, lease deals to our uh, account holders. 
where we say here's the company and here's what they're doing and here's what they need the gold for and here's how much gold they need and all those details and then each investor can decide how many ounces they want to put into that uh, deal and um, at what minimum interest rate they would demand in order to go in mm -hmm. and so um, part of our innovation is to is to create a market in this and you know be very very conscious of what Hayek called the fatal conceit mm -hmm. you know well you know Keith you studied gold in the 19th century and gold banking and you know what the interest rates were what do you think the interest rate should be and I, and I just want to say well look let me defer to the market let, yes let, you know enough, enough people with enough liquidity decide what it should be right um, and then there's, there's some more validity to that mm -hmm. so um, the the distinction we're making is that this is leasing, like leasing any tangible property. Um, you know, if you have an old iPhone and maybe your kid's friend is like, "Hey, I could use an iPhone," and you're like, "All right, I'll let you have it for ten dollars a month." It's still your phone. He owes it back to you at the end, um, and then he's paying. And with gold, there's really no difference, except obviously, number one, gold is far more precious than an old iPhone. Uh, and number two, gold can't really be broken or damaged or, you know, squashed and dropped on the floor. You know, even if it is, I mean, it's still gold. Um, the the virtue of the lease is that so the investor in a very strong position, you retain title to the gold. So there's no sale of gold. So if you bought your gold at $200, you, you're not being taxed on a gain as if you sold it at, you know, today's price at $1,290. Um, and um, perhaps even more importantly than that, you're not a lender, and the company who's using the gold is not a borrower. The gold does not become their asset. It's not going on their balance sheet. And if they declare bankruptcy, the gold is not lost, um, you know, and become uh, an asset to be liquidated for the benefit of, you know, all the creditors in aggregate. It's just simply leased property. It's like leasing a car in that sense. You know, let's say you lease a car from Chevy, and then you declare bankruptcy. Well, Chevy just repossesses the car. Uh, the creditors can fight over whatever assets you may have, if any, but the car isn't available to to satisfy the creditors. All right, Keith, we're, we're uh, we've only got about three minutes left, two and a half minutes or so. What sort of yield uh, can people expect, and what is the duration of uh, of these leases that they make through uh, through your firm? Uh, typically, one year maturity, mm -hmm. um, and. Um, we, we were seeing interest rates in the three to three, three quarter percent range, three to 3.75. We recently added, and we announced a couple of weeks ago, insurance from a major global London-based uh, global insurance carrier, uh, which we can talk about who that is offline, but not um, but an open forum. Mm -hmm. um, and the investors have responded to that with, with lower rates. And so we feel it's really a win-win. It's good for the uh, lessees who are getting a lower rate it's good for the investors because it takes out, um, you know, mo most of the remaining risk. So the, the insurance even covers, um, you know, what if the lessee pulls the gold or embezzles it and then flies to a non-extradition country? And it even covers that kind of fraud and embezzlement mm -hmm. type stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, most recent deal, and we have um, on our website, there's a little widget. You can see the recent deals. Uh, most recent deal was 2.5%. Mm -hmm. Two and a half percent to that is gold on gold. Yeah. Okay. And and what was the uh, the lessee paying? 
Um, we charge a spread of, of 2%, so the lessee is paying okay. for 4.5%. Okay, and that's what a, another question. The answer to a question is you obviously have to make money to stay in business, so that's that's that spread between uh, your clients that, that, that own the gold uh, through your firm and the lessee. Okay, um, and, and are these, uh, just with one minute, maybe 30 seconds left, your borrowers, are they, I mean, one is a jewelry company, I believe, or a company that's involved in jewelry. The other one does something different. Um, uh, the other company I think you're referring to is Valorum. They yes. manufacture a little, gold, a little gold currency unit. It's roughly the size of a dollar bill, but it's clear plastic with a very thin foil of gold in between uh-huh. one-tenth of one gram. Um, and so that's something that's designed that could actually circulate. You know, the other objection to gold is you can't buy groceries with it. Yeah. Well, one-tenth of one gram is, you know, yeah. about four or five dollars of gold. Yes, you can. You can actually well, buy, buy milk and bread and eggs and cheese with it. Keith, we're going to have to leave it go at that. We're out of time. So much more to talk to you about. We'll want to do it again sometime in the near future. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. It's monetary-metals.com, monetary-metals.com. Uh, folks, that is all the time we have this week. Next week, uh, David McElvaney will be with me. Uh, Michael Oliver should be back as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bonterra Resources, an advanced exploration company, is aggressively expanding its high-grade gladiator gold deposit in Quebec, Canada. Over the last 12 months, Bonterra has raised over $60 million and has attracted strategic investors Eric Sprott, Kirkland Lake Gold, and New York-based Vanek Gold Fund. Bonterra is focused on updating its 43-101 resource in the second half of 2018 and will incorporate up to an additional 100,000 meters of drilling, where the dimensions of the Gladiator deposit have been expanded to date nearly 500%. Bonterra trades in Canada under the symbol BTR and in the U.S. under the symbol B-O-N-X-F. Oren Resources is a technically driven, capital-efficient exploration company focused on delivering shareholder value through accretive project acquisition and discovery. The company's management team has a record of success in the discovery, advancement, and monetization of exploration assets. Oren's focus is on advancing its seven premier gold exploration projects located in Canada and Peru. Oren's shares trade on the TSX in Canada and the NYSE American in the U.S. under the stock symbol AUG. For more information, please visit orenresources.com.